once again, and welcome to episode 84 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, The Fascination of Socialism, The Perspective of an Old-Timer, Part 2. And I'm that old-timer because I'm old. (laughs) And I've just got so much time left. I guess that makes me an old-timer. Before we get into today's episode, uh, let me remind you, as always, where you can find our podcast. You can find us on bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find our uh, find us on iTunes and Google Play at B Boomer Unleashed. You can find us on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram, you'll find our link at B Boomer Unleashed. On Twitter, you'll find our link at B Boomer Unleashed 1. And as always, we encourage you to drop us a, a letter, an email, uh, with your comments, your criticisms, suggestions for future episodes. And as always, if you'd like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, tell us what you'd like to talk about, and we'll do our very best to get you on the podcast. Well, today we finish uh, the discussion we started last week where we were pulling information directly from the website of the Democratic Socialists of America, how they define socialism and and uh, what they've been doing there uh, in filtrating the political uh, left-wing parties of the United States. They're all progressives. They're all Democrats. You don't find a conservative wing of the Socialist Party because they're all liberal. And, uh, you know, the, what we've been talking about before last week was the fascination of socialism of the millennial group and how they have fallen for this uh, line that has been fed to them. And socialism on the outside uh, sounds pretty good. Uh, but if you stop to think about it and understand that uh, socialism means no ownership of private property, and that private property is yours, then there's uh, certainly uh, um, a problem with taking your property. If it's somebody else's, that might be okay, but not yours. As we were talking to Sam Denning a few weeks ago, uh, one of the millennials we interviewed, he said one of the problems with the millennials uh, today and their fascination with socialism is because they don't own property. And if you're not a property owner, you really don't have any skin in the game. So if you're just a property consumer, if you want to take a part of everybody else's property, then socialism probably sounds pretty good. But if you've got some skin in the game and some uh, property that you don't want somebody else necessarily taking from you, then socialism's not such a good deal. Well, on their website, they have questions that have been posed to them or maybe self imposed questions that they wanted to give answers to. And I'm going to go through some of those today and tell you how they answer them. Once again, this is from their website, the Democratic Socialists of America, DSA. Now, this question says, doesn't socialism mean that the government will own and run everything? Well, the DSA says Democratic Socialists do not want to create an all-powerful government bureaucracy, but we do not want big corporate bureaucracies to control our society either. So basically, we're going to change 
the control from the capitalists of the country who have created the wealth of this country and who have uh, built the infrastructure of this country. We don't want big corporate bureaucracies running it. We want our socialist bureaucracies running it. And they say they don't want a big government bureaucracy, but how else are they going to run it? Uh, Rather, we believe that social and economic decisions should be made by those whom they most affect. Well, not really. They'll most affect the people that they're stealing money from. Uh, They don't want those people to have any say in it, but only the have-nots have a say in how they're going to use our money after they steal it. Today, they say corporate executives who answer only to themselves and a few wealthy stockholders make basic economic decisions affecting millions of people. Resources are used to make money for capitalists rather than meet human needs. We believe that the workers and consumers who are affected by economic institutions should own and control them. Well, that sounds good. The people are going to own and control them. Well, not really. The socialist government is going to own those, and you're just trading one bureaucracy for another and doing away with private property. Social ownership, they say, could take on many forms, such as worker-owned cooperatives or publicly-owned enterprises managed by workers and consumer representatives. Democratic socialists favor as much decentralization as possible, while the large concentrations of capital and industries such as energy and steel may necessitate some form of state ownership. So the state's going to own these big businesses. They're going to own steel production. They're going to own consumer good production. They're going to own oil and gas production. The government's going to own that. Not the people, the government. Many consumer goods industries might be best run as cooperatives. Oh, yeah. Let's let the government run those businesses, too. They can't even run Social Security or Medicare. Democratic socialists have long rejected the belief that the whole country should be centrally planned, while we believe that democratic planning can shape major social investments like mass transit, housing, and energy. Market mechanisms are needed to determine the demand for many consumer goods. So what's the demand? Well, your socialist government will decide what you need and who should get it. Another question, hasn't socialism been discredited by the collapse of communism in the USSR and Eastern Europe? Now, how are you going to respond to that question? No social uh, experiment such as socialism has ever endured long term. They're all dismal failures. People end up living in poverty. We had a Russian exchange student a number of years ago, and her dad was a doctor. And they ate cabbage soup all week. About once a week, they got a little chicken maybe to put in it. And he was a doctor at the top of his field. And they didn't have meat every day. Nothing on the grocery shelves. That's what socialism and communism will do for you. But they say on their website, socialists have been among the harshest critics of authoritarian communist states. Just because their bureaucratic elites called them socialists did not make it so. They also called their regimes democratic. Democratic socialists always opposed the ruling party states of those societies, just as we oppose the ruling classes of capitalist societies. Socialists don't like capitalists. That's the bottom line. 
They don't like private ownership. They want the state to own everything. They want your stuff. We applaud the democratic revolutions that have transformed the former communist bloc. However, the improvement of people's lives require real democracy without ethnic rivalries and or new forms of authoritarianism. Democratic socialists will continue to play a key role in that struggle throughout the world. Moreover, the fall of communism should not blind us to injustices at home. We cannot allow all radicalism to be dismissed as communist. That suppression of dissent and diversity undermines America's ability to live up to its promise of equality, of opportunity, not to mention the freedoms of speech and assembly. Well, look what they're trying to do already. They're trying to take your freedom of speech. You can't have any freedom of speech if you're a conservative. Now, if you're a socialist, if you have a left-wing progressive persuasion, you can have all the free speech you want, but not for the conservatives. Oh, no, no. So this business of promoting free speech, that's just a pipe dream. It's only free speech if you agree with the socialist platform. Here's another question. Private corporations seem to be a permanent fixture in the U.S. So why work towards socialism? In the short term, we can't eliminate private corporations. Notice again, they said in the short term, they can't eliminate private corporations, which means long term, they will. There will be no private corporations under socialism long term. But we can bring them under greater democratic control. Oh, so we're going to... We're going to bring them under the democratic government, the socialist government control. Sure. The government could use regulations and tax incentives to encourage companies to act in the public interest and outlaw destructive activities such as exporting jobs to low-wage countries and polluting our environment. Public pressure can also have a critical role to play in the struggle to hold corporations accountable. Most of all, socialists look to unions to make private business more accountable. Wow. You know, in Saul Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, accuse others of what you're doing yourself. And that's what the socialists are doing. The socialists, um, they're not um, um, providing incentives for people to keep jobs in this country. You know, under Obama, under Democratic rule, look at all the jobs that were shipped to Mexico seems to me like recently we've got a lot of those jobs back. And our president, dear President Trump, is anything but a liberal or socialist. Here's another one. Won't socialism be impractical because people will lose their incentive to work? Good question. Good question. We don't agree with the capitalist assumption that starvation or greed are the only reasons people work. People enjoy their work if it is meaningful and enhances their lives. I cry hogwash. A lot of people do like their jobs. I enjoyed my job. But you think that most people, most people wouldn't just as soon sit at home on their keister and draw a paycheck rather than get up and go to work every day just so they can have the pride and accomplishment and a job well done? If there's no incentive for advancement, if there's no incentive for promotion, if there's no incentive for the creation of wealth, personal, private gain, wealth, there is no incentive to work. You work to get ahead in life. But with socialism, and that's me saying this, not the Socialist Party, 
with socialism, that incentive, I believe, is destroyed. But uh, they, uh, they don't want you to believe that. They see people enjoy, enjoy their work because it's meaningful. It says, although a long-term goal of socialism is to eliminate all but the most enjoyable kinds of labor. <laughs> so the long-term goal of socialism is to eliminate any job that people don't have fun at. Let's go have fun. You know, that eliminates a lot of jobs that aren't fun. Teaching school, for the most part, is not fun. You know, it used to be years ago, but today, with the education system in the toilet and, and the education system, trust me, is the closest thing we have to socialism in this country uh, as, as we currently see it. But, you know, if it's got to be fun... If it's got to be fun, there's a lot of stuff that's not going to get done. Um, although a long-term goal of socialism, I repeat that, is uh, is to eliminate all but the most enjoyable kinds of labor, we recognize that unappealing jobs will long remain. Man, who's going to take care of those jobs? Who's going to do those? These tasks will be spread among as many people as possible rather than distributed on a basis of class. So everybody's going to have some dirty jobs, except the chief socialists. These tasks would be spread among as many people as possible rather than distributed on the basis of class, race, ethnicity, or gender as they are under capitalism. Once again, I cry hogwash. Hogwash. Anybody can succeed in a capitalist society regardless of race, creed, color, or sexual orientation. In case these socialists haven't noticed, those hamstrings, if you will, those hindrances to getting ahead in the workplace disappeared a long time ago, a long, long time ago. But according to the socialists, that's the rule. The man is keeping you down. The big big man is keeping you down. He's holding you back, but not under socialism. We're all going to be rewarded. And this undesirable work should be among the best, not the least rewarded work within the economy. So I guess if you're picking up trash along I-64, you're going to make more money than a doctor, or at least the same amount. See, that's what socialism does. It puts everybody on an equal playing field. And for you have-nots that have no incentive, you'll love it. You'll love socialism. But for those of us who have worked and saved and scrimped, and saved up for our retirement, and uh, bought homes and paid for homes, uh, you're not going to like it too well because they're going to give that to all the ne'er-do-wells who haven't done anything to prepare for the future. In short, we believe that a combination of social, economic, and moral incentives will motivate people to work. Sure it will. Why are there no models of democratic socialism? Good question. See, they like to call this democratic socialism. Um, Dinesh D'Souza doesn't call it democratic socialism, although he uh, says that they uh, uh, certainly call themselves that. He uh, refers to it more or less as identity socialism. You're going to identify yourself as socialist. 
If you haven't ordered that book yet, I encourage you to get Dinesh D'Souza's book. Although no country has fully instituted democratic socialism, the socialist parties and labor movements of other countries have won many victories for their people. We can learn from the comprehensive welfare state maintained by the Swedes. The Swedes is a terrible model. Ask any Swede, why, why do we have more Swedes living in the United States of America than we do in the Swedish and um, the Nordic, if you will, countries? Why are there more Nordic people living in the United States of America than there are in those countries? Why? Tell me why. Why would they flee utopian socialism to come here and have to work for a living? Why would they do that? You tell me says, um, we can learn from the comprehensive welfare state made by the Swedes from Canada's national health care system. Why do a lot of Canadians come to the United States for health care? Because their system sucks. It's terrible. You get in line and wait and wait and wait to get something done. France's nationwide child care program, Nicaragua's literacy programs, Boy, those are prime examples. Have you seen the streets in France lately? Looks like Tent City. And boy, Nicaragua, that's a good example, isn't it? All those Central American countries with all their drug cartels, That's uh, but they've got a literacy program. They're going to teach these drug lords how to read. Isn't that great? Lastly, we can learn from efforts initiated right here in the United States, such as the community health centers created by the government in the 1960s. They provided high-quality family care and community involvement in decision-making. And try going to a government-run health care clinic and see what kind of help and what kind of assistance you get there. The process and structure, they say, of American elections seriously hurts third-party efforts. Winner-take-all elections instead of proportional representation. Rigorous party qualification requirements that vary from state to state, a presidential instead of a parliamentary system, and the two-party monopoly on political power have doomed third-party efforts. We hope that at some point in the future, in coalition with our allies, an alternative national party will be viable. For now, we'll continue to support who? They're going to support who? Progressives. That's code for Democrats. They're going to support progressives who have a real chance at winning elections, which usually means left-wing Democrats. They come right out and say it, left-wing Democrats. That's who they're supporting, not middle-of-the-road Democrats, not moderate Democrats, not conservative Democrats, but left-wing, extreme left-wing Democrats. Here's another question. Am I going to devote, if I'm going to devote time in politics, why shouldn't I focus on something more immediate? Here again, although capitalism will be with us for a long time. How many times are they going to say that? Capitalism's going to be with us for a while yet, but not forever. We're going to get rid of capitalism. Although capitalism will be with us for a long time, reforms we win now, raising the minimum wage, securing a national health plan, and demanding, demanding passage of right-to-strike legislation can bring us closer to socialism. Many Democratic socialists actively work in the single-issue organizations that advocate for those reforms. We are visible in the reproductive freedom movement. Kill those babies. Let's kill those babies, socialists. Let's start a baby-murdering factory. That's what the socialists want to do. They want to kill people. They want to kill those innocent children. 
That's what your vote for socialism will do. That's what your vote for the Democrats in a national election will do for you. They'll kill babies. They love it. They think it's great. The fight for student aid, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender organizations, anti-racist groups, and the labor movement. Yep, there we go. By the way, you union people out there, you better take note. You better not vote for a socialist because pretty soon you're going to be working for the government and the government doesn't pay as much as you labor unions like to make. You know, these national brotherhoods of whatever are going to be defunct when the socialists finally take over and gain control. It's precisely our socialist vision that informs and inspires our day-to-day activism for social justice. As socialists, we bring a sense of the interdependence of all struggles for justice. No single-issue organization can truly challenge the capitalist system or adequately secure its particular demands. In fact, unless we're all collectively working to win a world without oppression, each fight for reforms will be disconnected, maybe even self-defeating. What can young people do to move the U.S. towards socialism? Oh, let's get the kids involved now. Let's get the kids involved. Since the civil rights movement of the 1950s, they tell us, young people have played a critical role in American politics. They have been a tremendous force for both political and cultural change in this country in limiting the U.S.'s options in the war in Vietnam and forcing corporations to divest from the racist South African regime in reforming universities and in bringing issues of sexual orientation and gender discrimination to public attention. Though none of these struggles were fought by young people alone, they all featured youth as leaders in multi-generational progressive coalitions. Young people are needed in today's struggles as well for universal health care and stronger unions against welfare cuts and predatory multinational corporations. Schools, colleges, and universities are important to American political culture. They are the places where ideas are formulated and policy discussed and developed. Being an active part of that discussion is a critical job for young socialists, and we have to work hard to change people's misconceptions about socialism. Roughly Roughly translated, that means lie about what we're really doing. Lie about what we're really doing. Have your talking points. Tell people you know, uh, that we're democratic, we believe in democracy, and we believe in everyone being treated fairly. But code word, communism. Um, Young people can be turning the tide against racism, sexism, and homophobia, as well as the conservative myth of the virtue of free markets. So that's a conservative myth. Free markets is a conservative myth. That's what the Democratic Socialists of America say. That's not some conservative talking point, folks. That's from their website. I'm reading right from their website. Okay? If so many people misunderstand socialism, why continue to use the word? Okay, there's a good question. If people don't really understand socialism, why continue to call it socialism? First, we call ourselves socialists because we are proud of what we are. Second, no matter what we call ourselves, conservatives will use it against us. 
Yep, true. If you're a conservative, you can't be for socialism. The two are just diametrically opposed. Anti-socialism has been repeatedly used to attack reforms that shift power to working-class people and away from corporate capital. In 1993, national health insurance was attacked as socialized medicine and defeated. Liberals are routinely denounced as socialists in order to discredit reform. They call themselves socialists, folks. They're out of the closet now. Until we face and beat the stigma attached to the S-word, that's socialism, politics in America will continue to be stifled and our options limited. We also call ourselves socialists because we are proud of the traditions upon which we are based, of the heritage of the Socialist Party, of Eugene Debs and Norman Thomas and other struggles like Karl Marx, Okay, they didn't say that. I will. And of other struggles for change that have made America more democratic and just. Finally, we call ourselves socialists to remind everyone that we have a vision for a better world. Wow. Just wow. Folks, I'm telling you, we're in a fight for our very existence as a country. If you're a Trump hater, hate Trump. But my goodness, don't love socialism. You know, evil men prevail when good men do nothing. Just sit back and do nothing, and evil will prevail. Socialism, I'm going to just put right out here and say it, socialism is evil. Socialism wants to stifle your free speech. They want to do away with private ownership of property. They want to steal your retirement plan. They want to steal your 401k money, your IRA money. They want to steal your home. They want to take all of your personal wealth that you've worked for all your life and do away with it in the name of democracy. It's a sad day, folks, but let me tell you, If we elect socialists, if we allow them to take control this November, it's over. Life as we know it is over. They want to take your free speech. They want to take your guns. Oh, yes, they want to take your guns. They're not believers in the Second Amendment. They want to take all your private property. And they want to distribute that personal wealth to those who don't have it. Now, if you want to distribute your personal wealth to those who don't have it, sure. Be a philanthropist. Give it all away. I would applaud you for that. But I don't want the government telling me what to do with my personal wealth. I don't have much of it, but I want to do what I want to do with it. I want to give it to my family. I want to give it to my church. I want to give it to other civic organizations that I might support. I don't want the government to take it and distribute it as they see fit. They, they didn't earn that money. I did. I worked hard for it. And it's a shame. It's a shame that we're faced with a situation where socialism could take over. Now, the socialists would have us believe you conservatives who are either Trump supporters or you Trump haters who might bring yourself to vote 
for Trump in November, and I know some of you won't. I know I've got listeners here that will not, would not vote for Donald Trump under any circumstance. And that's okay. That's okay if that's what you truly believe. But when the socialists take over, when the socialists take over our country, it's not going to be the United States of America. It'll be as Dinesh D'Souza calls it, the United States of Socialism. And like I say, if you haven't read that book yet, I encourage you to get it. Dinesh D'Souza, the United States of Socialism. Well, it's interesting that all the material I got was right off of the website of the Socialist Party in America. Democratic Socialists of America. They have a website. If you don't believe me, if you believe that I was just making this stuff up, then you go on their website and you read it for themselves, for yourself. Don't believe me. Go on their website and read it. Well, that's all the time we have for today, folks. It's been great being with you again. Uh, this concludes our discussion on socialism. Next week, we'll go to another topic. I'm thinking about maybe going to eating habits back in baby boomer days. Just completely shift gears on you. And eating habits today and what it's doing to America and what it's doing to us. Well, it's been great being with you. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, you, Some of you did, some of you didn't, and I understand that. Drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought. Share us with your friends. Whether you liked us or not, share us with your friends. If you got a bunch of liberal friends, give them a chance to listen to it, and uh, I'll give them something to yell about and cuss about for a while. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you'll join us next week. Hope you have uh, an opportunity to uh, get out and enjoy the sunshine and the days that uh, are ahead without your mask on. You go in a public place and inside you wear that mask, but to get out in the sunshine, enjoy a little time without that mask. I hate that mask, don't you? I wear it, but I certainly don't like it. Well, listen. I hope, like I say, I hope you'll join us again next week. So uh, until we meet again, have a great week. And may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. (laughs) 